On this episode of the Closet Champion Podcast, we're discussing the road to SummerSlam, the seemingly new direction that's happening over in NXT, and the big question on everyone's mind surrounding the new AEW Rampage show. Will CM Punk return? Listen and find out. All that and a whole lot more coming at you right now. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Closet Champion Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Closet Champion Podcast. I am your host, the reigning, rarely defending, highly disputed champion of wrestling podcasts, Mike Mueller. On this episode, we are doing a classic state of wrestling recap. It's been a while since I've done one of these, and with SummerSlam coming up next week, I feel like it's a good time to just kind of check in and sort of get the pulse of what's happening around this world of wrestling. Next week, I will actually do a prediction episode for SummerSlam. I'm also going to be on the Bob Culture podcast for their SummerSlam panel, so you can hear me and uh, watch me give my SummerSlam predictions. But for now, let's just kind of talk about what's going on, what's happening. I'm recording this on a Friday, Friday the 13th, Uh, but this is uh, going back to, we're going to start with SmackDown the previous week. Uh, because I'm not psychic and I don't know what's going to happen today. So we can only go with last week's SmackDown, which I really, really enjoyed. Uh, There's a few things, though. These are going to kind of be bullet point things. I'm going to try to give you guys context in case you haven't been watching, Um, but sorry if if some of the things that I say are a little vague or ambiguous, because I'm just kind of going off my notes here, and I'm sorry if I don't give you the full context. Uh, But the first thing that I noticed is now that we're back to live fans. First of all, it's of course so much better. We all knew it would be. We were excited to get back to this point. But now that we're here, we really need to get rid of that piped-in crowd noise. I think that WWE sort of fell in love with it when they had to rely on it because they realized, oh, we can make people cheer, (laughs) at least make people think that the good guys are being cheered and the bad guys are being booed. But there's a few moments in it where you can tell like the crowd's on their hands, no one really gives a crap about what's happening, and it sounds like everyone is cheering like crazy. That, to me, is almost as jarring as watching it with no audience because there's such a clear disconnect between what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing, and I really don't like it. I think that it's an, the WWE is viewing it as a nice little safety net for them, but... I think it's doing more harm than good, and they're going to be better off just letting the people respond the way they actually want to respond and basing it off of that. Because for me as a fan, when that happens, I just I immediately get turned off. But for the show itself, there's a lot of things happening. Um, we kicked off SmackDown, building up the Bianca Belair-Sasha Banks 2 match. Um, I'm not really... I was all about this match heading into WrestleMania, I thought it was going to be really good and, of course, um, historically significant. But now that we're getting the run back on this, I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to care about because Bianca is the champ now, but it seems like the talking points between these two are the same. And when match one has Sasha being champion and match two has Bianca being champion, I feel like the smack talk shouldn't be the same. I feel like something in the story and in the narrative should have changed, and I'm not really getting that at all. Both of these characters are exactly the same as they were heading into WrestleMania. Um, I'm going to save all of my predictions. I'm going to try not to give any predictions right now, but um, I don't think they've done a very good job, at least for me, of getting me excited for the match. Other people might be hyped for it. I don't know, but to me, this seems uh, very forced, and 
to be quite honest, it seems like a little bit of lazy writing, which I don't like to say about SmackDown because I really enjoy SmackDown. And I think as far as the WWE shows go, uh, SmackDown is by far number one. So it's a little disappointing. I feel like more could have been given to this story. It's going to be a great match. These are two incredible performers. I'm not worried about that. But I do think that they could have tried a little bit harder to get us to care about the match. That's just me. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, but not really a big fan of that. What I am a big fan of, and I didn't expect to be a big fan of, is the Usos and Mysterios. Still feuding. I love it. I think they're doing a lot of creative things uh, to build up this match, this rematch, I should say. I do stand by my previous statement uh, that Dominic should turn on Rey Mysterio and eventually retire him. You're never going to convince me that that's not the best way to go. Uh, I still think it could happen, but it's looking like now, if that does happen, they're sort of setting it up to be Dominic turning on Ray more as like the jealous son versus the I'm better than you dad story that I thought we were going to get. I think the I'm better than you story would have been better, uh, but I'd be happy as long as it happens. I'm happy even if they do it as the, the jealous son who... Um, is tired of not being taken seriously by his father. We can go with that too. That'll be fine. But I think it would be even more impactful and better for Dominic specifically if they do have him turn because he's now better than his dad. And it's not like a, I'm tired of living in your shadow. It's a I'm tired of carrying you on my back sort of thing because he literally carries Rey Mysterio on his back to the ring. I'm like, come on, guys. This story is written perfectly. But it doesn't have to happen right away. There's still a lot of gas in that tank. People like Dominic and Ray together. So I'm cool with writing that out for a little while. I think the Usos are great foils for them. Uh, I think that's a, a great move. What I will say is if I'm completely wrong on Dominic turning on Rey Mysterio at any point and that never happens... The internet wrestling community seems really in love with this idea of Dominic inducting Ray into the Hall of Fame and Ray passing down the mask and Dominic wearing the mask. I think that's stupid, and I don't mean to like shit on other people's ideas, but I it, it's uh it's so trite and it's so like. Dominic's never worn a mask, okay? And we've known Dominic since he was like six years old or whatever when Eddie Guerrero tried to climb a ladder and be his dad. But it doesn't make sense to me. There's already plenty of homage in his moveset, in the rest of his attire. I think Dominic wearing the mask would be pretty damn stupid. And also, anybody who thinks it's a good idea for Dominic to wear the mask and then turns around and derides Charlotte Flair for trading on that Flair name is a hypocrite to the highest degree. I'm so sick of people hating on second generation stars or third generation stars for trading on their parents' name only when it's someone that they don't like. They don't ever seem to have a problem with it when it's one of their favorites, but when it's an amazing heel like Charlotte, people seem to take that opportunity to just jab at her and go, oh, she's only getting that opportunity because she's Ric Flair's kid. Really? Then why did Ted DiBiase Jr. fail? Why did Davy Boy Smith Jr. fail? I don't even know if that's his name, but why did Davy Boy Smith Jr. fail? Why is Natalia not the biggest female star? Because none of them are as good as Charlotte is. You're if you're a second generation wrestler that might get your foot in the door, but that doesn't make you a star. You know what made Randy Orton a star? By being amazing. It wasn't because he was Cowboy Bob Orton's son. You know what makes Charlotte the most decorated female wrestler in the history of WWE? It's not that her last name's Flair. It's that she truly is the best and she can work with anybody and get anybody over that she needs to. She is the most valuable asset that the women's division has. And while I don't think Dominic Mysterio is going to be Charlotte Flair level at any point, I don't see it. Um, it doesn't mean I'm not rooting for it. It doesn't mean I don't hope it doesn't happen. But it's really annoying to me to see people want 
Dominic in literally in Rey Mysterio's mask and then in the same breath turn around and say Charlotte shouldn't be wearing a robe because Ric Flair wore a robe. Like, get out of here, dude. I, I'm all right. Done with that. And uh, changing directions, but something else I wanted to bring up is I need to know, are we getting another King of the Ring tournament anytime soon? It seemed like it was inevitable with uh, Shinsuke winning the crown from Baron Corbin, which I don't like the idea that the crown can be won in a match, but that's neither here nor there. But it seems like Nakamura is the king now, which is fine because it, it, it puts down Baron Corbin and that's what we're doing right now. We're, we're ganging up on Corbin and that's all well and good. But, you know, Xavier Woods came out a while ago saying that he was going to be the next King of the Ring when that happened. And it seemed like there was this natural momentum building toward another King of the Ring tournament. And all that seems to have gone away. I'm not really sure what's happening. I hope it comes back. Um, personally, I would have Sammy win the tournament. I think Sammy Zayn is in a perfect spot to be that annoying King of the Ring. Very Owen Hart, 1994, King of the Ring style. I think that would be really good. Uh, what I would like to do personally is... Uh, all right, warning. I'm going to talk about Baron Corbin for a while. And that's not something that I often do. But I've been really intrigued with what they're doing with Baron Corbin's character. And I, I have some things that I need to get off my chest. First of all, I hope everyone is aware that this is their way of turning Baron Corbin babyface. It doesn't seem like it right now, but I promise you, we are going to see a babyface Baron Corbin sooner rather than later. This reminds me very much of 1993, Razor Ramon losing to the 1-2-3 kid to set up his face turn. He lost to someone who I don't think had a victory up to that point. So it was this incredible shock. We all made fun of him. He sold it like a million bucks. He couldn't get over it. And he became this laughing stock. Well, the thing with laughing stocks is unless they continue to give you new reasons to dislike them, you're eventually going to feel bad for them. That's what happened with Razor in 93, and that's what helped get him over as a babyface, and that's what they're doing right now with Baron Corbin, and I think it's brilliant. I didn't think there would ever be a way to turn Baron Corbin babyface, but this is a brilliant, brilliant way to make it happen, and the way I would really cement this turn is let's have a King of the Ring tournament, okay, and let's have it be announced, so we're announcing that there's going to be a King of the Ring. And then Baron Corbin's going to come out and go, oh my God, this is my opportunity. This is my chance to get everything I lost back. This is it. It's going to be great. And then the bracket comes out and Baron Corbin isn't even in the bracket. He doesn't even get the opportunity to qualify for the bracket, okay? Like he's just completely left out because he hasn't earned it. He hasn't won anything. He doesn't deserve it. And now we just see Baron Corbin get lower, lower, lower. He's so desperate. He's so pathetic. He's so miserable. He's dying to get in. And not only does Baron Corbin not even get an opportunity to be in the King of the Ring, we also find out that it's not going to be an eight-man tournament for the King of the Ring. It's going to be a seven-man tournament. And Shinsuke Nakamura is going to get a bye out of the first round and immediately into the second round, okay? Now, this is going to be the thing that pushes Baron Corbin over the edge. This is so unfair. Not only do you not give me the opportunity to fight to get my crown back, you're giving the guy who stole my crown, which he didn't, he won, but Baron Corbin thinks he stole it. You're giving the guy who stole my crown a first round buy? That's crap. That is so unfair. This is unjust. I'm taking you to court. I'm suing you. Baron Corbin is livid. So then Shinsuke Nakamura, or preferably Boogs, because who doesn't love Boogs? Uh, if you're not familiar, if you're not watching, Boogs is the guy that's playing uh, the guitar and is sort of Shinsuke's sidekick, and he's wonderful. He's brilliant. So Shinsuke or Boogs, one of them come out and say, you know what, Baron Corbin, you're right. It's not fair, and you should get the opportunity. So you know what? I don't need a first-round buy. I'll give you this opportunity. I'll give it to you out of the goodness of my heart. I'll show you the charity. I'll give you the handout that you've been begging for, that you've been waiting for. So here you go. You're in it. And Baron Corbin is smug as all get out. He's fi oh, finally, he's got this opportunity and he's going to do it. And this is his chance to turn it around. And it's the first match of the night. And Kinshaska, as soon as the bell rings, it's a 
10-second match, Baron Corbin is out. The crowd is going to erupt. They're going to laugh and they're going to laugh and laugh and laugh until Baron Corbin hangs his, his head in shame and walks away. And then what happens after that? Someone wins the tournament. Doesn't matter who. It can even be Nakamura if you really want him to be king. That would actually really cement him. That would actually not be a bad way to go if you really want to push Nakamura. That would. I'm writing this as I'm thinking about it. Yeah, screw it. Let Nakamura win the whole tournament again. Doesn't matter. But that's going to be the breaking point. That is going to be the thing that truly humbles Baron Corbin and makes him realize that he needs to change his whole outlook on life. And he needs to become a kinder person, a more helpful person, a more respectful person. And this is when people will start to get on Baron Corbin's side. At least that's the way I would do it. Another thing that's happening both on SmackDown and Raw that I really don't understand is these champions contenders matches. Not a championship match and not a number one contenders match because this term is being used so loosely and so infrequently. It's happening anytime a current champion wrestles in a match. It's being used anytime there's two top contenders for a, any given title in a match. But it doesn't actually mean anything because, as has been said directly on SmackDown, they say, oh, what was it that they said? Um, if, a, if they win this match, they're in contention for a title shot. Well, no shit they're in contention for a title shot if they win the match, if they're facing the number one contender or the current champion. That's the way it's always been, like, since the beginning of time. This name means nothing, and it drives me nuts to see it over and over again. They'll have four champions contender matches in a night, and none of them involve the number one contender for the title. So I really don't understand this concept at all. I I. I don't even have anything else to say on it. I just, I think it's stupid. Um, what I don't think is stupid is John Cena and Roman Reigns at SummerSlam. I think this is absolutely the right call. I still hate the way it came about where Cena just kind of hijacked the contract and signed it. It's totally lawless. It would never stand up in court. Uh, Adam Page and Sonya Deville are supposed to be the law and they're endorsing and supporting this lawlessness. Uh, doesn't make a lot of sense, but the promos are going to be insane. They already have been incredible. They're going to continue to be incredible. I think John Cena is the perfect guy for Roman Reigns to really have to step up his game and prove himself. It's been made abundantly clear that he's the best full-time wrestler working today. I, At least in WWE, if you want to make a case for someone in a different uh, promotion. I'll listen to that argument, but I'm not going to listen to the argument that there is anybody in WWE that's better right now than Roman Reigns on every level. So in order to get someone to pose a real threat to Roman Reigns, because as much as I love Kevin Owens and main event Jey Uso, these are not real threats to Roman Reigns. Uh, we need to have some epic legendary comeback, and that's going to be People like John Cena, people like The Rock, these returning people. Maybe they'll throw in Brock Lesnar in a little while. I like this idea that we're bringing stars back, like the legends of the last generation, for Roman Reigns to have to get through. I think that's the next logical step in the progression of his character. It makes all the sense in the world. He's beaten everybody that's current, so now he's going to beat the former people or the the former main eventers and then eventually he's going to be challenged by the future main eventers people like big e and whatnot so this is a natural way for his story to go again i'm not trying to give any spoilers as to what i think is going to happen with title matches but i have said so it's not really a spoiler i've said for a long time i'm predicting roman reigns to win every single match until i'm finally proven wrong and he doesn't uh, I think Cena will be no different, uh, but it's going to be amazing, and the buildup will be absolutely incredible. They're doing a really, really smart move on their main event scene on SmackDown, as we'll 
talk about in a second. I don't think they're doing the same thing on Raw, but we'll in good time, patience, virtue, all that stuff. Um, and the last little comment that I wanted to say about SmackDown is I'm very, very excited for Edge and Seth Rollins. I think it's going to be a fantastic match. They've been doing good promos. I think Edge, if he's sticking around, I think Edge needs to get a win uh, for his character, whether he does or not. Again, like I said, I'll discuss next week. But what needs to stop immediately is the fake Seth Rollins laugh. It's the laugh that he he's doing it obnoxiously on purpose right now, but it's the same sort of fake villain laugh that he's done anytime that he's a heel and it's the biggest reason why I'm not a Seth Rollins fan is it's just so disingenuous it's such bad acting that I can't get past it and his character right now is sort of built around this laugh and it's killing me because I I love the drip I love the swag I love the ridiculous he wore this like mint green suit with um like pink butterflies on it and it, it was wonderfully horrible all of his outfits right now are wonderfully horrible and I'm living for him I love him in the ring he can cut a decent promo but oh my god that laugh is such a turnoff like ugh, someone needs to get in his ear and say tone it down a bit whether that happens or not I highly doubt it but we'll see that's really all that I had for SmackDown. Again, I'm, this is going to be kind of a quick one because I'm not giving predictions on anything. But uh, let's move over to NXT. Um, Dakota Kai, uh, Raquel Gonzalez, this is coming. It was inevitable. It's going to be a great match. I still don't, I'm still not sold on Dakota Kai. Apparently, I'm missing it. Apparently, it's something I'm not getting because the wrestling world at large seems to love her. I'm still back in my girl, Raquel Gonzalez. I think she's a beast. I think she's wonderful. Uh, I'm really looking forward to their match at uh, TakeOver 36. But the best thing going on NXT right now is still LA Knight and Cameron Grimes as his butler. Uh, this Tuesday, we got a new layer to the story where Cameron Grimes is going to get one more shot at LA Knight and that million-dollar championship. But if he loses, now not only is Cameron Grimes the butler for LA Knight, but Ted DiBiase is too. And this is a wonderful caveat because I didn't think there was any way that Cameron Grimes would win the Million Dollar Championship. He doesn't need the Million Dollar Championship at all, but with this new caveat in play, I think it makes it very interesting. I have a hard time imagining Ted DiBiase, just knowing what I know about the man, I have a hard time imagining that he would be okay with this if it ended up where he had to do some demeaning skits as LA Knight's butler. What I think is going to happen is Cameron Grimes is going to get the win and he's going to give the belt back to Ted DiBiase and it's going to be re-retired. Um, if that happens, I'm fine with it because we don't need the million dollar belt, but I think as long as the million dollar belt is in play, it should stay on LA Knight until eventually, like I said, it gets sort of retired back to DiBiase. Um, but that's what's happening in the ring. Those are some of the storylines. There's, of course, a lot more. Um, but what we really need to talk about when we're talking about NXT is not the action in the ring. It's the action outside of the ring. There's been a bunch of more releases. WWE is really cleaning house. It was a majority of the releases were NXT people. And a lot of people are saying that this is uh, them sort of punting and hitting the reset button on NXT. There was a, a while there where they were kind of trying to push it as a legitimate third brand, especially when it went to USA. Uh, they tried to compete with AEW. I think there was a lot of arrogance on their part, thinking that they could just put anything on and it would do better than AEW and they would be able to laugh and point their finger. That certainly did not happen. It didn't even really help them when they moved to Tuesday. It, get, it bumped up their uh, average viewership by a little bit, but not nearly to the level that I think they thought it was going to be. And there's really nobody to blame but themselves. And by themselves, I mean WWE, not the NXT people. Because they never treated it as a true third brand. And that's been evidenced by the fact that Karrion Cross the current NXT champion, can go over to uh, have an appearance on Raw and get squashed by Jeff Hardy. Like, no disrespect to Jeff Hardy, he's a living legend, but your NXT champion should not 
be losing to Jeff Hardy. I'm sorry, not in 2021. Maybe in 2001, but not in 2021. Um, so this is not a good look for NXT. A lot of people are really upset. I'm not necessarily upset because personally, my favorite era of NXT was when they first kind of started not with their Daniel Bryan, Wade Barrett uh, game show NXT uh, thing that was on sci-fi for a couple years, but when they finally got into uh, Full sale and they had the first uh, championship tournament that Seth Rollins won, that to me was NXT's heyday. And at that time, they were strictly developmental. It was like, you build your way up, you win the title, you have a title reign, you drop it, you go to the main roster. It was Seth Rollins, it was Big E, it was Neville to a degree. Uh, and it worked. I'm fine with them using NXT as a developmental territory. I'm fine if there aren't these NXT lifers. I don't think there needs to be because what happens is we get these moments like what's happening with Adam Cole right now where it sort of feels like he's done all that there is to do. Now, that might be because Adam Cole is leaving after TakeOver 36, which is a different story, but even without Adam Cole, you've got people like Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano and people like that that have stated that they wanted to be in NXT forever and that's their home and that's all well and good and if that's what they want to do that's fine but you know you need to shake things up you need to keep bringing in new talent and cycling out old talent and to me if they don't make it in a couple years in NXT they're probably not going to make it on the next level anyway we've seen how hard it is for talent to make that transition for whatever reason when they get up to the main roster WWE just likes to bury them. So if we're treating it strictly as developmental and we're only looking at people that we're trying to turn into superstars like Big E, like Seth Rollins, like Bray Wyatt, like, well, I would say like Luke Harper, but they didn't really, they wasted Luke Harper. Luke Harper didn't shine until he went to AEW. But if we're using it as sort of that superstar making factory, I think that tempers our expectations it allows us to look at NXT in a different light, and in my opinion, a more accurate and a better light. And to me, NXT really should just be fun. Like, I don't want to take NXT too seriously. I just enjoy what it used to be and what it could be again. To be honest, this is the least interested in NXT that I've been in a long time. I rarely watch NXT. I never watch it live. And I rarely do anything more than just kind of skip through, watch a couple of the matches that seem interesting to me. But it's like they almost were trying to become Raw or SmackDown. And it's like, dude, the best thing about you is that you weren't Raw or SmackDown. So if this is their what they have to do to try to get back to that mindset, I say let's ride it out and I'm for it. Uh, a couple other things happening on NXT. The breakout tournament is nearing its end. I love, 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 love Odyssey Jones. Uh, he made it to the finals. There's still another semifinal match to happen, but I think, to be honest, it really doesn't matter what's happening in that semifinal match. I think this is all about Odyssey Jones, and this is a dude 6'4", 400 whatever pounds. Um, this is the antithesis of the small indie wrestler that everyone in NXT seemed to love. So if... They're very serious about resetting the formula and going in a new direction. I think Odyssey Jones is your perfect dude to put this breakout uh, tournament victory on and sort of ride him as maybe one of the next new big faces, pun intended, uh, for your brand. So we'll see how it turns out. I'm pretty sure the finals of that will be at TakeOver 36 as well. Um, but Odyssey Jones, I'm in love with Odyssey Jones. I also really like Gigi Dolan. Uh, her promo got me interested. Uh, it's, again, this is the embracing the fact that you're a new talent, embracing the fact that you're this developmental uh, person that it has to prove themselves and make a name. And I think she's doing a great job. I'm very intrigued with her character, interested to see where it goes. The women's division could uh, use some uh, fresh faces, especially with the release of uh, Mercedes Martinez, who I thought still had a lot to offer that brand. So it's going to be interesting to see where they go, but I'm excited for Gigi a lot. And I have to admit, I <laughs> I do love 
the whole thing that's going on with uh, The Way and Index, Indy Hartwell and Dexter Loomis. Uh, they, if you didn't watch NXT, they had these uh, series of uh, vignettes where, or not vignettes, I guess it was just uh, one long story uh, promo, but uh, they go on their date and Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae are trying to interrupt the date or spy on the date. And it's great to me because it's almost becoming this like, Johnny and Candice are almost like a blend between like overprotective parents and like annoying older siblings. And it's really funny to watch it play out. I'm glad that they're not taking it too seriously. Uh, Dexter Loomis says so much by saying nothing. It's wonderful. And I've really come around on Indy Hartwell. I think it's great. This whole thing reminds me very much of like the old skits that they used to do for like Coliseum Home Videos or uh, Primetime Wrestling with Bobby Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon. They would do these um, skits. Uh, it would it would tell one story, but it would go over the course of the entire broadcast. So we'd have a match. We'd watch a little bit of, of, of this skit. We have another match. We go back to Act 2 of the skit and go on uh, throughout the course of the night. And it's really fun. I hope they continue to do it, not just with the way and index but with anything though these little skits and promos again these are little things new things that i'm seeing nxt do that's giving me hope that's why i'm not freaking out about all these releases and this new direction that they seem to be going in because i think maybe they're onto something and i'm actually supporting it i'm proud of them so keep it going that's all i'm saying Moving on to Monday Night Raw, this is going to be very quick because there's not a lot to talk about on Mon- uh, Monday Night Replay, as Kimmy So Cool, the goodest sister, uh, likes to say. And she's right, man. It's uh, just it's a bunch of regurgitated crap. I'm not even going to be I'm going to be blunt about it. Uh, first of all, we have to stop this uh, baby face coming out and saying, "Welcome." To Monday Night Raw and the crowd cheers. It's so like live from New York. This is Saturday night. I think it's directly what they're trying to do, and it just—I don't know. It—it it seems phony to me. It—it's—it's it's breaking the fourth wall, not in a good way, and it's just to me like it—it's it, cheap. It's a cheap pop. It's a cheap pop that's all that it is and i i'm not a fan of cheap pops not really a fan of cheap heat either uh, mick foley is the exception he can do all the cheap pops he wants but by and large it's to me it's the baby face equivalent of going out and saying that you love the home team you know it's just you don't know who the home team is you don't care who the home team is you just want people to cheer for you so you say this and you get a quick reaction but other than that, it's it's useless and it's a waste of time. Plus, it also, I think to them, justifies opening every single Monday Night Raw with a 20-minute talking segment, which that needs to change. Um, but there have been some good things. I loved the Riddle and Randy Orton story. Uh, I think they've got more in the tank as a team, but uh, Orton gave uh, Riddle an RKO at the end of the night after Riddle was very desperately trying to win him back throughout the course of the episode so it looks like that's done it's probably going to be a SummerSlam match I kind of hoped we'd get a little bit more RK bro before the breakup but I mean we all saw this coming so it's fine um Riddle cracks me up I I hate admitting that I like Riddle because it's so oh I I so should not like Matt Riddle but I do I can't help it it's he's great Randy Orton's great. He looks like a French villain with the facial hair. But, you know, we're, we're trying to make him a heel. So if you want to make someone a heel, give him some bad facial hair, and that'll do the trick. It worked for Cameron Grimes. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, going back, I mentioned this earlier, but uh, the thing that really stuck out to me was they tried to do a little bit of damage control in giving Karrion Cross uh, a win back on Jeff Hardy and a... I'd say a strong win, but it was a long match. Like it, it, he certainly didn't get, I think it was like twice as long as their first match that he lost. So it still protects Jeff Hardy. It still doesn't do too much to make Karrion Cross look like a champion, which he is. So that's not a good sign, but seemed like it was a little bit of damage control. And 
we'll see where it's going, but they need to switch something up because right now, and they got to get Scarlet on Raw. How do you have Karrion Cross without Scarlet? She just, and she just seems like someone that Vince McMahon would love. She seems like she's in that vein of Sable or Lana where she's just, she's gorgeous. She's charismatic. Uh, she, when she's out there, your eyes are on her. I don't understand why she's not out there with Karrion Cross all the time doing the whole intro thing. That's the coolest thing about him. Karrion Cross as an in-ring performer, I don't really care about, but I thought his character was fantastic. So like the best part to me of a Karrion Cross match is the intro. And part of that intro is Scarlet, and we're not getting it. So they're not doing that guy any favors right now. Uh, someone else that's not getting any favors for them is Alexa Bliss. Um, look, I'm all for corny storylines and supernatural stuff in wrestling, but this Lily gimmick is terrible. It's got to go, man. It's so, and it's like, we're, is she, is Alexa a baby face? Is she heel? Because she's doing heelish things, but she's doing it to heels. She's doing it to Shayna Baszler, and she's doing it to Eva Marie. So it's like we're supposed to be rooting for her, but she's also got this evil doll. There's also been a ton of talk about some kind of cross-promotion with Chucky, the new show that's going to be on the USA Network. They're just plugging the hell out of that. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, but I, it's, dude, it's, I don't know, man. Alexa Bliss is so talented, and she's got so much to offer, and props to Alexa. She is making the best out of a bad joke, and she's trying to laugh it off, but you can't, I don't know. You can't convince me that people are being hypnotized by a doll. I just, uh, it doesn't work. That sort of stuff barely worked in the uh, pandemic era when you didn't have live crowds. Now trying to do that in front of live crowds, it's not good. And the crowd's letting you know. The crowd is reacting horribly to this, as they should, because it's a horrible idea. So hopefully they'll pick up on this, they'll transition her out of it. Maybe she'll snap out of it in some way someone will bring her back nikki ash could possibly do that we'll see where that goes um i kind of thought it would lead to them fighting but maybe it'll lead to her saving alexa and pulling her out of the dark side so that's good it's important to note of course there was the we want we want wyatt chance uh that was going down which i've given my opinion on that i don't think that um i think bray wyatt wanted to be released i think this was best for him um just to get his own mind right and to go do something else because that i mean that fiend character was solid gold and they just found a way to keep screwing him up and now they're doing the same thing with alexa bliss so hopefully they'll learn from their previous mistakes and they will abandon this gimmick sooner rather than later but we'll see uh, switching gears, something else that happened on Raw that I was super excited for was the Sheamus and Ricochet match. I thought that was going to be great. I got to say, I'm really surprised by the lack of chemistry between those two. But I'm happy to see Ricochet back on TV in matches, showing off what he can do. That dude is so wildly talented. Someone in creative or on the writing team is trying to get Ricochet back. It's obvious to me. They're trying to fold him back into being a, a every week, you know, sort of main event player, not on the main event, but on Raw. Uh, no one wants to be on main event. And who can blame him? And that's where Ricochet's been living for a long time, and he's done his time. We need to give him another run. He's just way too talented. The crowd just goes crazy for him. It's like, listen to the crowd, man. They're telling you. You've got a star here. Push him, push him, push him. Uh, the match against Sheamus didn't do him any favors. He didn't come out looking very good. Uh, I'd love to see maybe a program uh, with Ricochet and Apollo if they do this. Uh, if they do a redraft, which last year I think happened in October. So I would imagine if they do it again, it'll happen around October again. I'd love to see those two on the same brand and have them fight each other, especially if the Intercontinental title's on the line. Uh, Apollo's just kind of been holding on to it. Hasn't been doing too much with it, uh, but they're they're making him look strong, and I think him and Ricochet would put on an incredible match. So that's where I'd like to see that character go. Time will tell if it happens. And the last couple things that I want to say about Raw 
is it seems like they're trying to turn Mustafa Ali back into a babyface. I mean, I can see it. He was great as a babyface before, but I think it seems like this is a knee-jerk reaction to the pop he got in Chicago. And it's like, dude, he's from Chicago. They were cheering for him because he's a hometown guy, not because they love Mustafa Ali. Like, you hate Mustafa Ali. You're supposed to. Uh, if they turn him back babyface, I'm fine with it. Cause like I said, I thought he was great as that. But if this is strictly because of the way one crowd reacted, I find it fascinating that this is the time that WWE chooses to put all their eggs in what one crowd says. Uh, it'll be interesting. But they're lower card guys. They're continuing to feud with Mace and T-Bar, who I will continue to stand for. I love these guys. I think they got a good look. I think they're talented. I think Dominic Dijakovic is, or T-Bar, is criminally underrated. And hopefully this will lead to uh, a tag title for these guys. Um, you know, AJ and Omos still have it. I can't imagine them holding on to the titles for too much longer. I don't see him dropping it to Mason T-Bar. There's got to be an intermediate champion in between. Maybe even Mustafa and Mansoor. Maybe they get a random title match and they pull the upset. Who knows? I don't know where they're going with it, but I'm happy to see uh, tag teams be developed on the undercard and just undercard talent in general getting a chance to shine on Monday Night Raw and not just being relegated to uh, main event and things like that. And I'll be talking a whole lot more about uh, WWE next week with my SummerSlam prediction episode. Uh, But right now, I want to make a few comments on AEW because a lot's happening over there too. Um, First, I got to say, Dante Martin, oh my God. Look, if you don't like flippy-dippy shit, you don't like flippy-dippy shit, and I'm not going to tell you that you should like it. But regardless of who you are, you can't not be impressed with Dante Martin. This guy is insane. He had a wonderful showing with the Seidel brothers against uh, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. This kid's young. He's talented. Um, it's We haven't seen too many promos or anything like that, but when you're 20 years old, you can let your in-ring work speak for itself. I think this kid is a major player and is going to be a major star for a long time to come. Uh, it's Ray Phoenix is still my favorite luchador, uh, but Dante Martin is quickly becoming number two. And if you don't think Dante Martin's a luchador, you're out of your mind. You don't have to be Mexican to be a luchador. That's just a style of wrestling, and it's Dante Martin to a T. But he was amazing. I loved it. I'm excited for it. Uh, see where it goes. He he's not going to get a huge push anytime soon, and that's fine. They've got so much talent over there. Um. We are getting ready for All Out. That's coming out in a couple weeks. You know, uh, AEW pay-per-views tend to get a bad rap because they've had some some uh, corny moments that overshadow the rest of the pay-per-view, like Jericho falling on to the styrofoam cardboard. I don't know what it is, but it certainly wasn't the steel that it was pretending to be. And then, of course, the disaster that was the non-exploding exploding ring uh unfortunately those things have sort of tainted the aew pay-per-views but without a doubt i think if you just look at them match by match and as a complete card aew always puts on really really solid pay-per-views they don't do it every month that is to their advantage what's going on at all out i think is a bit of a misstep we've got christian versus kenny omega for the world championship And I got to say, I'm not really excited because it's very obvious that Kenny Omega is holding on to the title until he faces Adam Page. This is something that I knock AEW for. It's pretty much the only thing that I really knock them on is they still really, really telegraph their big moves. And, you know, it's okay to do that because you want to give people something to look forward to and you want the, you want to give people the payoff that they want. But in doing so, you have moments like this where I should be excited about the idea of Christian versus Kenny Omega. But I'm not because I know there's like a 0% chance that Christian can win this. And the biggest reason why, at least with the title with AEW, is we haven't gotten that surprise victory yet. 
I thought Jungle Boy would have been the perfect person to pull a surprise victory on Kenny Omega. He'd drop it right back, but get that surprise victory, shock everyone, and make people go, oh shit, I I do have to buy the pay-per-view because I got to watch this because that's not at all what I thought was going to happen. I totally thought he was going to hold on to it till he faced Paige. So, I mean, they could do it here. They could do it with Christian, but again, going back to uh, Roman Reigns versus those legends, I think having your current guy lose the title uh, to a legend is not really a good look for anybody. If the title wasn't on the line and this was just a match, I could totally see Christian winning. I think it would be good if Christian won, but with the title on the line, I don't think there's any way they're going to make him the face of AEW. And again, I thought if they were going to have just a quick surprise title run, it would have been much better uh, to do that with a homegrown star like Jungle Boy versus an established uh, WWE cast-off, for lack of a better term, in Christian. So we'll see where it goes, but um, if I know AEW like I think I do, I'm more excited for the rest of the card for All Out than I am for the title match, and that's not a great thing. You, You need your headliner to grab you. It's like what I talked about in my SummerSlam uh, podcast and why I think SummerSlam is traditionally seen as the weakest of the four pay-per-views because that main event has to grab you, and a lot of times SummerSlam main events don't grab you. This all-out main event is not grabbing me. We'll see where it goes. Still got a long way to get there, including the debuting Rampage that's going to be on the air just a few short hours from now. I'm very excited. I think this is a great opportunity for AEW to get some new eyes on their product. People who are WWE um, loyalist isn't isn't the right word, but people that primarily only watch WWE because they only have so many hours to devote to wrestling in their day, and WWE already takes up a lot of it. Well, here is a perfect opportunity. It's immediately after SmackDown. It's on a different channel, but it's immediately after SmackDown. It's one hour. They've already announced, I think, like four or five matches, so it's going to be action-packed. It's going to be in Pittsburgh, And there's going to be a lot of exciting things happening. But what's really exciting is next week. Next week's in Chicago. They're teasing the absolute hell out of CM Punk returning. CM Punk has not done a good job of denying that on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, Excuse me, just Twitter. He doesn't have Facebook. Um, But on the social media sites, he's kind of denying it, but not really denying it. And again, with AEW, we know these telegraph moves tend to take place and tend to happen. I think it would be stupid for AEW to take this approach if CM Punk was not coming in because you'll definitely get the ratings. Like next week's Rampage is going to have a hell of a rating, especially for a Friday night. It's going to pull in some big numbers. But you don't want to do a bait and switch on people, especially this early in the experiment Because, yeah, you'll get them there, and if the thinking is, well, we can get them there by sort of teasing CM Punk, well, we're not going to say CM Punk, so we're not lying to them, but we're going to kind of tease it, and then they'll turn it on, and yeah, they're not going to get CM Punk, but they're going to be so impressed with everything else that they see that it doesn't matter, and they'll keep coming back. Wrong. Absolutely wrong. The AEW loyalists and the ones that are already on board will come back. It'll leave a a little bit of a bitter taste in their mouth, but they'll forgive you. The people that won't forgive you are those new eyes. And you've got, I mean, you're you're starting a new show. You're doing it right after SmackDown. They're setting themselves up for success. And I think the only way Rampage is going to fail is if they try to pull some sort of bait and switch, like teasing CM Punk and then not delivering. I think that's a big, big mistake it's going to turn a lot of those first-time viewers or second-time viewers off, and you're never going to get them back. And not only are you not going to get them back for Rampage, they're probably not going to spend much time looking into Dynamite either. So you've really lost an opportunity on that market share. So I fully expect CM Punk to come back. I'm very excited about it. I didn't think it would ever happen. But then again, I never thought that uh, an entity like AEW would exist. So... Never say never, especially in wrestling. It's going to be really exciting. Uh, I'm looking forward. I'm happy that they're having the main event of the first Rampage be the women's title match. It shows that they really are investing in their women's division. Britt Baker is great. I don't 
really care for her, but I don't deny her greatness. It's I, I respect the hell out of her, even if I don't particularly like her. So I thought that was a good move. It shows they're putting their money where their mouth is, and they're having the women close the show. They've done a great job of building that feud. It should be really exciting. I'm super excited for it. And yeah, I just really want to see Rampage succeed because none of us need Thunder 2.0, okay? So let's let's try to avoid that from happening. Other than that, uh, like I said, I'm going to be spending a lot more time with my predictions and where I think things are going from here uh, next week on my SummerSlam edition. This was just a little recap, get you all caught up to speed on some of the bigger stories that are happening. Obviously, I didn't touch on everything, but this was just kind of uh, shaking the rust off, getting back in the swing of things. One of these days, I'll put out a consistent schedule and stick to it, um, but you know, I wouldn't be holding my breath on that. Uh, as always, hit me up on Facebook and Twitter at Closet Champ. I love hearing from you guys. Look for the SummerSlam episode next week. Look for the Bob Culture podcast video next week. I try to always put those links up on my social media pages. Uh, Rob is a great guy. He's done so much for me already. It's going to be a ton of fun. I'm looking forward to it. Hit me up. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you're excited about for SummerSlam and moving forward. Is CM Punk going to be there, or am I just a big old mark getting my hopes up for nothing? Again, Facebook, Twitter, at Closet Champ. Until next time, I am your reigning, rarely defending, highly disputed champion of wrestling podcasts, Mike Mueller. I'm going to take the count out loss and get out of here with my belt. Good night, everybody.